0: Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme, recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm your host, Jessica Holmes. On the podcast now, the surprise reveals from Betrayed, stories of et tu, Brute, are Sordid and Scintillating, March 2012 show. First up, Taylor Murphy falls for a twisted turn of fate. So
1: I was about 18 years old, and the story I'm going to tell you is a story of young love. I was 18 years old, and I could generally be found listening to my iPod, walking around in skinny jeans, doodled on Converse sneakers, and I had short, choppy brown hair and uh, always had heavy black eyeliner on. And so now I'm going to introduce you to a young man named Seth. And he was the man that I was sure I was going to marry, or at least I thought. And we met in high school. He was a silly but really kind gentleman, and he had a head full of red curly hair, very intense brown eyes, and um, he could generally be found wearing Converse's as well, cargo shorts, Volcom tea. I was certain that we were a perfect match. So fast forward to freshman year of college. Um, we spent most of the winter up at Bogus snowboarding, um, going to college parties together. And he was always a blast to go to parties with, because, I mean, not only was he fun, but he was also kind of protective of me. So, you know, if some really drunk guy was hitting on me, he'd kind of play defense. And so... That was nice. Um, that summer, we spent most of the time going up to the hot springs and rafting the payette Boise River, of course, and um, we would you know dream up all of our youthful expectations of what we thought life had to offer. And, um, I was young and really stupid, and he had this habit of sending me flowers, so of course I became convinced that he was the love of my life. And, um, eventually, you know, we started dating, became very serious, and I was convinced that we were going to get married, have a house together, two and a half children, we were going to finish Boise State, and, um... So, at that point, I was 19 years old, and we had moved in together, and um, I was still young, naive, totally enamored by Seth, and he um, was starting to act kind of controlling towards me. Um, We would do most activities together. Um, If I had to go do anything, I generally would run it by him first. But I always justified this away by saying, well, that's just how he shows he cares. And, um going grocery shopping one day, we were driving to the grocery store in my car, and suddenly I realized, wait, I'm the passenger in my car, and if you know me, I don't let people drive my car, I don't like it, and even when he insisted, it really bothered me, but eventually, you know, I let him start driving my car, and, um... I would justify it away saying, you know, he's just a perfect gentleman, always are opening my car door for me, and driving me to work so I don't have to find parking, and um, so I'd always just explain that kind of stuff away. Um, Eventually, you know, I'd be hanging out with my friends, and I either had to bring Seth along and spend the entire time trying to prevent arguments, because he would... I don't know, pick fights with my friends, or I'd have to leave him behind and spend the entire time trying to avoid jealous text messages, asking where I was or how much longer I was gonna be. So, of course, the natural conclusion I came to was that it would be a lot easier just to spend all of my time with him. Right? (laughs) I mean, I couldn't just break up with him. Or stand up for myself, that, w- that doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> started spending all my time with him. Um, I found myself becoming anxious in the relationship, of course. And I was too enmeshed and in love to realize why or find a way to leave. So instead, I would just come up with reasons why it was okay. Um, He was never physically violent towards me at all. But I was too afraid of his emotional manipulation and um, yelling and arguments that I just didn't want to deal with it, so I just put it off. And um, I was starting to find myself being reliant on him. Like, he would always make sure that he was the one checking the mail. He was the one making the grocery list. He was the one taking out the garbage. And I know these all sound like really great things. But (laughs) driving my car, pumping my gas, dropping me off at work. And I started feeling really boxed in and and enclosed and controlled. But when I would have an argument with him, he'd remind me that he was the one taking care of me. And so I couldn't leave. Um, I remember taking a Psych 101 course that... (laughs) No, here's the funny part. So I was taking a Psych 101 course and, you know, you learn that you maybe hear of all these diagnoses and you start believing that you have all these problems going on that don't really exist, kind of like doctors starting to self-diagnose. But my problem was I didn't think I had a problem. And at the time, I was actually finishing um, my undergrad in addictions counseling. So I (laughs) I was taking a course in counseling techniques. And we were learning about the abuse cycle. And I remember thinking, wow, these people that don't realize that they're in this situation are so dumb. I would never let myself be controlled, which is hilarious because Seth totally fit that abuse cycle, and I was totally letting myself be controlled. But I was so blind to it that even though I received an A-plus on a research paper on emotional abuse... (laughs) I had no idea that it was happening. So, so, anyway, (laughs) the end of my junior year, um, it was about our two-year anniversary, and I can remember one specific morning with really blinding detail. Um, We woke up early, and... He wanted to make breakfast, but we were out of eggs, so he said he would drive up to Albertsons and get eggs for us. So I handed over my car keys, like always, and um, he kissed me goodbye, and I never saw him again. And so several hours passed, and obviously it doesn't take hours to go get eggs from Albertsons. So I called his cell phone to see what was going on, and it went straight to voicemail, And so I started thinking up all the most nightmarish of situations, of course car accident, lightning strike, alien abduction. (laughs) Eventually, my phone rings, and on the other line is a detective calling to tell me that Seth had been arrested earlier that day, and I could be expecting a call from jail soon. I hang up the phone, and I don't even know what to think. It doesn't feel real. So, I wait by the phone, kind of not wanting to answer it when it rings, but I do, and sure enough, it's Seth calling from jail, and I start yelling, crying, screaming, and then sitting on the other end of the line, totally unable to form another word, and I can't remember a single thing he said to me. I was so angry, it was like in that moment, it had like temporarily rendered me deaf, so I hang up the phone, and I just remember thinking, holy crap. (laughs) So all I do know about this, because I never really looked into it, mostly because I didn't want to, was he committed somewhere around $80,000 in financial fraud, and it had something to do with loans. I never had to testify at any hearings, and I was so blind to what was going on outside the little world he had put me in that I was completely flabbergasted when this happened. It made me physically ill to think that I had lived with and dated someone who was capable of this. So in that moment, I knew it was completely over. I felt sick to my stomach, I was nauseous, I felt like a chump, I was hyperventilating, my body felt numb, but at the same time it felt like every single molecule of air was crushing me. Um, Eventually I was able to calm down enough to catch my breath and I was like, okay, I need to go find my car. So, (laughs) So I'm scrolling through my phone and I realize Crap! I don't have anyone that I am close enough to really call and confide in and say, uh, yeah, that idiot I was dating is in prison now. So, (laughs) um, he... I end up calling an acquaintance because I don't know who else to call. I had completely isolated myself by accident, you know? I had always thought that value, or I had always thought that friendship was an important value, but through the relationship with Seth, I eventually, like, let that value just go astray. So I end up calling an acquaintance, and he helps me find my car. And um, the other thing I do know is that he, this all happened around 2008, I believe. It was Either Yeah, it was middle of 2008. And he will be in prison until about 2019, I believe. So I just felt like a complete idiot. But um, adjusting to my new life, it took a bit of time. Um, I was able to start training to serve tables and pick up extra shifts. So the bills were actually taken care of. It was kind of stressful, but it was okay. The harder part was actually just adjusting to having control over my own life, um, pumping my own gas, remembering to check the mail, taking out the garbage, um, deciding what to do with my day. These all seem like really simple things to do, but for you know most of my adult life at that time, because I was so young... I wasn't used to it. Realizing how isolated I had become, reaching out, starting over, developing healthy friendships. So when someone says goodbye, I still have this nagging feeling that something really bad is about to happen and that I'm not going to see them again. But despite that, through all of this, I've become very independent, assertive. Um, I You know, don't have a problem standing up for myself anymore. Um, I actually started working with um, troubled kids and families. So I feel like, in a way, it opened a lot of doors for me. Um, You know, the men I've gone on to date have not worked out for different reasons, but that's okay because I haven't compromised myself or my freedom or independence. And, you know, one of the definitions of betrayal is to deliver into the hands of an enemy um, in violation of trust. And reflecting on that, I delivered myself into the hands of an enemy. And I violated my own trust by not standing up for myself or um, listening to myself until the crap really hit the fan. And so... While I know I can't control circumstance, situations, other people, I know the one person I can control is myself, the choices I make. So I know that I won't betray myself again. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Taylor. Limited advance tickets have just gone on sale for the second adults-only Story Story Late Night Show. The Black Sheep in the Family, with Crime Stories, featuring host Josh Gross. Save your seat now at StoryStoryNight.com. Next up, story slammer Jesse Steiger punches a few holes in a poster perfect childhood.
2: Hello, everybody. I'm going to stick on theme here with the uh, older sibling torture bit. My little brother Josh is three years younger than me, and you know he made the foolish mistake about the age when he started forming thoughts um, that he would trust me. And that's not my fault. You cannot give that type of raw power to a toddler. I couldn't handle it, and I took advantage of it pretty much all over. Like I have dozens of stories. I'm going to focus on just one. (laughs) So, um, I don't know, back in the day, I was maybe like 11 or something, and my parents foolishly thought they could trust me to babysit my brother, and they thought that I was kind to him. And so I had like six years' worth of three-month-long summers of just Glorious good fun for me, (laughs) not for my brother. And um, so we're like, one day I'm just, you know, random torture. I don't even know what it was. And I made him so angry, he like ran into his room and slammed the door. And he was taking karate at the time. And he like back kicked his wall and kicked a hole into his wall. And so he's like... In his bedroom crying for an unnaturally long period of time, so I went in to check and, uh, and uh, he tells me what he did, and we're like, oh my god, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, you know, and I'm like, Psh, got it, uh, I'm going to take this poster here and just move it down to foot level, we like rearranged all the posters in the room to make it look like wacky poster day, and um, you know, <laughs> as if that's what we just decided to do on a random Tuesday. So he's got a hole in his wall, big deal. And um, then like a month later, we're playing a a game in my room, and one of his friends gets mad and stands up and slams a hole into my wall. And I was like, poster, rearranging day. ah!" And um, so we have these holes in our walls. And then for like five, six years, every time my mom would ask me to do something, Jess, go do the dishes. Wait till she walks away. Josh, go do the dishes. And he'd be like, I'm not going to do the dishes. Mom told you to. I'm like, there's a hole, there's a hole, there's a hole in someone's wall. Every time. (laughs) Next day, Jess, Jess, go fold that load of laundry. There's a hole, there's a hole, there's a hole in someone's wall. Like, I didn't do chores for like six years. It was awesome. So... Um, Then, like, fast forward. I'm a senior in high school. I'm 18, and my dad's like, hey, kids, uh, it's time to paint your bedrooms. I need you to take your posters down this week. And me and my brother are like, oh, oh my God, (laughs) huddling in corners, like, what are we going to do? We're so scared. We're so scared. And I don't know, like, we just, like, avoid it and try and, you know, get around it. And then finally, like, I get home from school one day, and my dad's home. He's like, Jess, can you go take your posters down? And I'm like, well... I got something to show you, and uh, I took him in my room, and I took down the poster that I'd left there since I was like eight, and um, showed him a hole. And he's like, "Oh well, that's not a big deal. a Little sheetrock, mud, and tape." I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know it was that easy." I'm like, well. and then he's like, "I'm like, well, there's a hole in Josh's wall too," and he's like, "Ah, what have you kids been doing?" We're like, "Well, you know, crazy kids, whatever." <laughs> and then uh, the you know fork in the road type situation. I was like, you know. Dad, Josh doesn't know I told you all of this right now. And he's like, number one daughter, I like how you think. <laughs> so the, like, now we're having dinner, and my dad, pretty low-key guy, fun, not like the disciplinarian, like we'd be more scared of my mom, if anything. Like, we're having dinner, and he acts very stern. He's like, kids, I need you to take down your posters tonight. I'm going to paint tomorrow, like it's this epic... Thing of painting, and uh, <laughs> I act real scared, and I I deliberately put down my fork, and I'm like, Dad, I have something to show you, and I take him back in my room, and I like dramatically peel the poster off the wall. I'm like, There's a hole in my wall, and he's like, He flies off the hook. <laughs> he doesn't like yell at us. He doesn't swear, and he was like. What the fuck is this? Do you have any idea how long this is going to take me to fix? You kids have no respect. I, I can't even tell you how long you'll be grounded. And he's like, he's freaking out. Like, I'm actually getting kind of scared, even though I know it's a setup, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, like, my brother has somehow gotten up the courage to, like, wander down the hallway. And he is so pale. Just, like, there's no blood in his face. He's trembling. And he's, like... Like somehow gets up the courage, he's like, Dad, Dad, there's there's a hole in my wall too. And then my dad really loses his shit. I mean, he is like, I mean, it's like explosive dad. I've never seen him like this ever, not even remotely, and I think my poor brother was probably shitting his pants. I'm not really sure. Like, I think he's, like, on the verge of tears, and, like, my dad's still yelling, and I, like, my mom, like, we can't hold it any longer, and my mom, like, we're all standing in the hallway, and my mom starts laughing, and I start laughing, and then my dad starts laughing, and my brother is, like, I hate this
0: family. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is brought to you by our story party, Jessica Holmes, that's me, Anna Demetriatis, Kylie Krill, and Zach Borman, as well as studio guides Elizabeth McKetta and Kate Riley. Theme song music and podcast production are by the double dealing Dan Costello. Hear more at HearCostello.com. Our partners include Neighborhood All-Stars and Boise State Public Radio. Join us on the podcast next week for The Last Shock of Betrayed. Learn more at StoryStoryNight.com.